0: For April 25th, 2022, it's the Lullabot podcast.
1: Hey
0: everybody, it's the Lullabot podcast, episode 256. I'm Matt Cleve, a senior developer at Lullabot. With me is not Mike Herschel. Awkward. Yeah, Mike has uh, moved on to Greener Pastures. No longer with us. We, we, he's still in the Drupal community. Um, we love him. We support him. Um, he's just not here on the podcast. So for a little while, I'll be flying solo. Um, the good news is, is that I, I, I'm bringing on smart guests and we're still going to be talking about um, everything that is Lullabot, strategy, design, development, Um, specifically a lot of Drupal stuff, and something caught my eye recently. Um, There was an article that ended up in my Google Now feed. I was, you know, mindlessly scrolling somewhere, and often I get all kinds of weird things in my Google Now. So when it's Drupal-related, it kind of caught my eye, and I said, I need to read this. Um, So there was an article on Medium that was called The Seven Phases of My Drupal Website Migration. And I ended up reading it, and it was really in-depth, so I decided I needed to bring that author on and we'd talk a little bit more about Drupal migrations. Um, it's it's an important topic. It seems to be like what we just talked about on the podcast whenever we did that a few months ago, but I don't think it's too bad to to talk about it again. Uh, so with me today, we have Nevin Katz. Hey, Nevin.
1: Glad you're here. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Great to be here. Um Excited to talk about Drupal where are you? I am uh coming from the Boston area okay uh, I'm over in Lexington mass and um we are our offices are at e d c are slowly opening back up, but uh for now i'm uh working from home and uh have a nice have a nice little setup going
0: so I've been a, a lullabot for like twelve years now, and this working from yeah. home thing is is pretty great yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's all we do so yeah, we're used yeah, to. No, it. it's, yeah, no, it's
1: it's it's good. It, it's good for uh, concentrating and banging out code. Though I look forward to getting back to the office every now and then. To, there you know, are some some good points yeah. to you know yeah. getting
0: back with your coworkers and face to face, but that I I really like the you know banging away in my basement and getting stuff done. So. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Nevin, it says you're a, you're a developer um, with the EDC, which I Google further, and I've learned that it's the Education Development Center. Um, and based on your article, it tells me like you wear a lot of hats there, to kind of te- yes. tell me what you do.
1: Yeah. So um, I came into EDC uh, as uh, an online learning specialist, and so my initial role was uh, building online courses in Moodle and facilitating online courses. Uh, over the course of being there, I got more interested in what happens uh, to courses and websites under the hood. Um, it was about the time where uh, mobile was starting to explode, so I was really interested in uh, working on mobile apps and responsive websites. So I um, got my software engine degree uh, while I was there, or software engine certificate, um, and. Uh, started getting more into working on apps and websites. And so now that's uh, essentially what I do. I do a mix of web and app development, and I also do uh, some project management. Uh, EDC is, and I'll talk about it in a little bit, but it has both a US division and an international division. And on the international side, uh, a lot of what I do is um, Android app development coupled with uh, some Drupal development. And on the USD side, uh, I do that mix of management and encoding, um, and, uh, and that's, that's mainly geared towards their uh, Drupal sites. So your um, Drupal.org
0: profile tells me you've, you've done Drupal for almost nine years now. Is Drupal a part of your regular stack there?
1: Yes. Yeah. So it's it's been quite a journey. And um, we now, uh, probably like a lot of organizations, we have a mix of Drupal 7 sites and Drupal 9 sites. And so... There, there's some Drupal 7 sites that we um, are looking to migrate. And then there's some Drupal 9 sites that, you know, we've we've kind of cleared that hurdle and are breathing a sigh of relief. But um, it's been a real theme over the past, uh, you know, two years uh, about uh, the, the, the theme of Drupal migrations has kind of permeated our lives because there's always... Some site, at some stage of migration that we have to deal with. Um, yeah. So so that's my role at EDC. And uh, a little bit more about uh, the EDC organization. Sure. It is a global nonprofit, and it's mainly focused on several areas, improving education, promoting health, and expanding economic opportunities. Uh, it's been around since 1958, and uh, it's risen to prominence as a leader in these areas, uh, mainly thanks to programs uh that address challenges around the world like suicide prevention early childhood development um youth workforce development and one project that i've been on the the let's read zambia project that addresses uh low literacy levels so uh it's been an exciting place to be and i think part of what keeps me there is it's so mission driven Um, that's
0: that sounds like you're doing really good work and you, you can keep coming to work feeling good about the the good stuff you're doing so that's awesome
1: thanks yeah, I do. I enjoy it, and there's there's some great people there. Um, and uh, we we have our U.S. offices here that are opening uh, back up, but uh, we're also in uh, around 80 countries around the world. Um, one of which is um, is uh, Zambia, but I've also done some work in uh, the Philippines and uh, some tech work for India as well. So it's it's exciting, kind of working on both the international and domestic fronts.
0: Is there any, ever any reason to send a developer to those locations?
1: Uh, I, it's been hard. There sometimes <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> I actually did go out to the Philippines a few years back, and it was very interesting to um, uh, kind of see the schools and uh, see what the types of needs were. Um, Connectivity is a challenge there, as you can guess. But it was. I had just built um, uh, an app, and I'll talk about the app work a bit. But uh, I was... Uh, interested in going, going over there, seeing how it worked and talking with the teachers and students who were using it. So uh, it actually does make sense uh, in some cases, just to kind of see how your stuff is working. Um, It sometimes can, you know, put you really in touch with the people who use it. And, um, you know, to, you know, I I don't like using the term end user, at least in this case, but, you know, I get to see kind of students and Mm -hmm. teachers and how they're responding to certain screens and everything and how they're responding to the learning.
0: So you talked about lots of different things and mm-hmm. you know different versions of Drupal you might be running. How many Drupal mm-hmm. sites are you are you do you oversee or how many Drupal sites do you have running?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So I dozens. Um, <laughs> no, not dozens. Okay, it's actually uh, it. I'm involved mainly with um, five right now. Okay, and one of them is uh, the. This uh stepping stone, which is a content authoring system. That's where I was kind of boots on the ground doing the Drupal migration. And there's uh several other sites that I've I've had a role in. Their migrations have taken place uh as a result of uh external uh vendor tech work. And I've been uh in in some capacity on each of the vendor liaison, you know, at various stages of the project. Um One of them is uh, stellar.edc.org for the Stellar Project. Another one is amgenbiotechexperience.com, and uh, that's uh, affiliated with Amgen. Uh, It's a a website that um, is tied to uh, various Amgen Biotech Experience program offices that uh, support uh, teachers in professional development around biotech and also Build out lab-based student learning experiences. So that's a very exciting project. Um, I also have a role on Sabes.org. I'm the tech lead there that uh, help to coordinate projects. That's a real mix of management and uh, tech work. I sometimes dive into fix stuff, but uh, more commonly, I'm ticking off pivotal tracker stories and um, you know consulting on different parts of the site. Uh, So. another uh, and then the final site we have is actually a, a Drupal multi-site system of 18 different websites and that is another Amgen site that is for um, is for our teachers and so um, those uh, those are kind of we have a site for Italy we have a site for France we have a site for Los Angeles there's about uh, 20 plus different program offices sprinkled around the globe and we have a a website for each that's all within this one Drupal uh, instance. And mm-hmm. so that's exciting to work on as well. If you do a so, multi-site, I, yeah. I
0: think that counts. I think you're getting closer to that dozens number than you want to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it, it. it is it is interesting because you have one code base, but you have like 20 mm-hmm. different databases. So it's a it's a different job description because um, I end up being, you know, in, in some ways kind of just the, the site administrator and even though I came into web development working more on the front end, you get into, you know, more back end stuff in terms of, you know, working with HT access files and, you know, sure. configuring databases and stuff like that. And so, even building
0: the site to wonder. think about the site as a system, right? Yeah. It's it's not I'm building a site. I'm building a system that will make all of these other sites. Yeah. And and they all are going to be pretty much the same, but they're yeah. all going to be special in their own special way along the way. And uh, it, it kind of takes a little different approach. Yeah, to, to. no, it,
1: it definitely is. And I, I like your, uh, I like your use of the word system because that's exactly what it is. You have this kind of interoperable set of uh, components and it, it's each site um, ends up t- kind of having a flavor of its own, but they all pull from the same code base. So when you're thinking about something such as, okay, well, I want to add new CSS for Uh, this banner, or I want to add some new functionality to a slideshow, or I want to add this widget, there is some consideration you have to um, pay to, uh, how is this affecting our other 17 sites? Or, you know, how Mm -hmm. is this going to affect maintenance down the road? And um, I remember when, you know, when I first started out um, and was really getting into web development, I was always kind of had my eye on the, the shiniest object and, oh, why can't we use this? Why can't we use SAS? Why can't, you know? And now I find myself on the other side of things, saying, "Uh, we better check those other sites and make sure that <laughs> everything's going to still work once we uh, go with the solution." So it, it definitely kind of puts you in a more, you know, in a more um, wary role, like because you just have to think of those um, caveats whenever a new idea comes up. Sure, sure. Yeah. So it it sounds like
0: you you, you definitely wear a lot of hats, and, and you're kind of keeping the the Drupal balls in the air. Uh, take us to the, the migration that, that you'd written about, um, explain you. So you had a Drupal seven site and you needed to, to get that up to date. Um, and I guess one thing that we I should mention, um, before Mm -hmm. we get too much further is, one thing we've talked about on the podcast before and something that was probably in your mind when you started this was the end of life yeah. for Drupal 7. So yes. the, the community was kind of going to cease support. It seems like that yeah. ball has been kicked down the road a little further. Um, I'll link to the PSA I in the know. show notes. Yeah. Um, the current date is November 1st of 2023. But yes. uh, it's good that you got that Project done because it's it's something that will have to be done for a lot of people um, in the future if if you want to keep keep up with security and and you know are are to do it the right way.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. I was I was I was concerned at the time because it had already been it had already the migration had already been pushed back by a year due to I believe it was because of COVID um, and uh, maybe some other factors, but. At the time, November 2022 was front and center, and there was no reason to think differently. Uh, And I was also in the midst of a security update, and I saw one of the modules being the group module uh, had lost support and was no longer being updated. And it was kind of the first sign to me that, uh, that some of the modules we were depending on were starting to lose support. So even though uh, we still had a little bit of time. I was like, eh, I better get started on this. Um, uh, so this particular site was, uh, it's a site called Stepping Stone. And uh, the the link is sstone.edc.org. It's not a fancy site because what it's mainly meant to be is a content authoring system for our internal staff. And um, if you're familiar with the idea of decoupled Drupal, That is the idea where Drupal serves as a content management system. And you have some other front end. It's either an app or a website that uh, somehow accesses content. It either either, uh, fetches it while it's online or it pulls it down to run it offline. And so you have the separation of concerns where you'll have your content up in Drupal. and And in our case, we have Android apps that pull that content down and run it offline. So um, the, the stepping stone idea, which is that um, you have kind of a low code or no code solution for our staff to kind of enter in um, e-learning content, uh, is, is not a new one. Uh, it was pioneered in the uh, early 2000s by um, my uh, former colleague, Scott Isbrandt, who's kind of gone on to um, uh, do other interesting things. Um, but it got started on flip phones and at that point you would kind of load things into, you would, you would, uh, the app was built in Java. Um, you would code up the, um, or not, uh, you would code up the app, have that ready sitting on flip phones. And then there was another type of downloadable authoring package that staff would use and to create, um, content and load them on, uh. About uh, five years ago, um, we decided to uh, come up with a different system that used Drupal uh, and try to modernize it. Uh, we had already been using some Android tablets, but we that they still use Java. So we wanted a system that we maintained internally. So we came up with this decoupled Drupal uh, system where you would have a Drupal site where people would enter content, and you would have various apps that um, we've used for you know, say the Philippines and Zambia, that can then pull down that content and um, run offline. And so that solves two uh, issues that are challenging for uh, developing areas, which are number one, online access, uh, which is there are a lot of far flung schools that have very limited connectivity and uh, availability of developers. Um, You don't want to have to go back to a developer every time you need to add new content. So the fact that Drupal has such great um, widgets and has, is so extensible. Allows us to kind of um, add that content. Uh, it allows people without coding background to just add that content, and then apps can pull it down and run with it. Um, so when I was kind of in that, it, it was back in February 2021, where uh, I noticed that you know these the group module was losing support. I was looking at the timeline and. I was thinking, you know, we, we need to get this going with um, with Stepping Stone where we we kind of migrate this over because our apps are still going to need to pull content. I, we don't want to have to worry about having to move the site over at the last minute. And we would just want to make sure that all the modules we're running are secure and stay secure. So and that was kind clear, of clear you were talking
0: the group module was losing support for Drupal yeah. 7, right? If you yeah, were to upgrade it, it for Drupal would be 7. fine. Like yeah. there was a version that was good for the latest version of Drupal is exactly. you needed to move if you were going to be supported by the contrib module. So that that was even, yeah. you know, predated predating Drupal's end of life for mm-hmm. support type
1: things. So yes,
0: other yeah. things were pushing you along the way. So how long how long again had this site been up and running as a Drupal 7 site?
1: It's uh, a good question. It had been up and running since uh, late two thousand sixteen, so it had it it. We got in a lot of mileage yeah. out of it. Yeah, it had for, started for, off for a website. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had started off, uh, you know, looking like probably a a site from the you know late nineties, just very <laughs> slim down thing, just for you know people to enter content. But we ended up beefing it up over time, and. Uh, we kind of started our discovery phase kind of taking inventory of the site and and figuring out um, on a few levels on the tech level we were we were just kind of I was making a checklist of modules that were going out of date modules that were not going to be in Drupal 9 um, modules that uh, custom modules we had that we would either need to drop or rebuild um, as well as you um, uh, different um, uh, page architecture, you know, in in terms of like, how do we want to rethink how navigation works to to make it easier? So we were kind of doing that on the tech side. And meanwhile, I was talking with uh, our content authors um, uh, around the company, asking them, what would they like to see different um, about a new Drupal 9 site? We have, you know, an opportunity here to kind of make it easier. And so we were kind of doing both that thinking on kind of on the front end, what would we like to see different, and on the back end, on the back end, what should we be prepared to rebuild or simply install or drop? And so mm-hmm. we had to kind of so that's how things started, just kind of taking that inventory. Okay, that um, that's the discovery yeah. phase. Yeah, you kind of
0: what what the problem is is and and where we need to end up.
1: Right. Yeah. And so we were. And and it also involved, um, you know, as I went. Uh, one thing that I I've kind of come to appreciate is that for these migrations, the discovery and kind of doing some uh, some initial test migrations are are a bit intertwined because you don't really know what you're dealing with until you start um, going under the hood. And once I started doing some test migrations uh, from the Drupal seven site to the Drupal nine site. Um I noticed that um that you know some things would migrate migrate quite naturally and then there would be some other things that would just not mm-hmm. um they wouldn't work. <laughs> we had videos that didn't work, we had paragraphs that didn't work. So okay. we had a lot of a lot of lovely error messages that were coming so up. So
0: videos ended up yeah. probably becoming media of some kind, or what was the they eventually
1: did, yeah. Okay. And um and that said they're different from at least in how we treated them, they were different from images and audio. Those those tended to come over naturally. And we we had to do a few shifts and, and change, because some of them came over as files, we had to um, migrate them to media, which I gather is a common step uh, in this journey. Um, videos though, they didn't really come over at all. And we had to make a judgment call as to whether we wanted to write some custom scripts or just um, bite the bullet and, mm-hmm. and move over videos manually. So that ended up being a manual step, and it didn't. It, it wasn't too big a deal. We just kind of moved over some videos, created a new. How, how many field. were? How many were we talking yeah. about? I think it was around. Uh, it was around 150 okay. or so. So um, it's so, it's
0: annoying, but yeah. do- attainable.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, and it it came to be like you know uh, do we want to do we want to wrestle with writing a new migration script? I mean, to be candid, this was my first migration, sure. and you know writing the script for paragraphs was a push for me in terms of learning the ins and outs for that so we there was kind of a judgment call and and we see this even on current migrations is you know what do you want to solve with an automated script and what do you want to just you know put some manual work into um and in some cases it's nice to do manual work because you can change little things like what is the alt you know if you want to make the the alt text for an image a little clearer you know something like that um but with the videos, we decided to go that way. Um, but by contrast, I noticed early on during Discovery that the, um, the paragraphs, which are, for those of you who are not familiar with paragraphs, they're basically like fields of fields. So if you have, you know, a...
0: I was surprised you had a paragraphs you know, in Drupal 7. I think that was kind of cutting edge at one point, right?
1: Yeah, so we had it. I think it was. I first heard about it, I think, in... Uh, the late 2000s. I think I probably would have
0: solved that problem with panels, just because that's how yeah. I, I solved all of Drupal six and sevens issues at that point. But uh, so yeah. so paragraphs existed, and so that was something that was a little tricky to to make the yeah. migration happen.
1: It it was, yeah. It wasn't automated, and um, the challenge there was, um, and this was for this counts for field collections too, because it, it's kind of in two. Um, th- those were kind of in a similar boat because both paragraphs and field collections are fields of fields. So if you have a um, if you have a multiple choice page or something and each choice maybe has a picture, a piece of text and a URL, Mm -hmm. then you might uh, take that and, and create a paragraph that has all those three fields. And then you can reuse that on your multiple choice question, you know, whatever multiple choice question you create. So this fields of fields thing, what did not come over naturally field field collections, just were a no go. Um, uh, there was nothing out there I could find um, that stated that field collections um, yeah could be it pr- migrated. It probably
0: would have been tricky, but the yeah. data is the data, so a custom migration yeah. would have would have been done. But you said it was a right. It was something that was yeah, that it was un- unfamiliar to you, yeah. but you, you figured out a way to make it work, right?
1: Yeah, I I went through. I I we only had a few field collections, so I just migrated those manually, and then when it came to the paragraphs. Um, I went and uh, looked at a few other um, recipes. Uh, and there was a useful one by this company, SoftEQ. I believe there, I might not be saying that right, but they operate uh, out of Romania, I believe, and they have a New York office. They had a really good tutorial on migrating um, Drupal paragraphs. And so I looked at what they did. Theirs was, I think, for Drupal 8. So I made a, a few changes and um, Tried to get it adapted to Drupal 9. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge with looking at uh, a tutorial sometimes is because things evolve so fast. Things such as a plugin that a Drupal script might use may really quickly become out of date. Yeah. And so it just takes. It's not enough sometimes to go to a tutorial. Even even Soft Excuse, which was really really good. You know, there that it was a Drupal 8 tutorial, so there was a little work required to a little work was required to get it Drupal 9 ready. But then, once I swapped in the plugins, um, it worked fine. Um, even then, though, you know, I, there's there can be edge cases. So just because it it works for this one site I was using, there there can be you know certain an edge case such as maybe how do you deal with uh, an empty field or something mm-hmm. like that that maybe I didn't have that issue. So it's always kind of a um a, a, a bit of an adaptive puzzle you know, trying to figure out a, a workable recipe for paragraphs um, or, or something like that, you know, to, to automate something over.
0: Um, uh, probably a dozen years yeah. ago, I was at, I think, the way I remember the story, I was at DrupalCon San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And Mike Ryan and Moshe Weitzman were talking about migrate module and figuring out how to do migrations. And I was really mm-hmm. excited for that because I had a couple of projects in, in mind and things that I wanted to use migrate yeah. for. Um, but then the talk was all about, how they kept track of data with their spreadsheets. Like there's this field right. that maps into that field and this is the data type right. and that's the data type and how it right. can be done. And I was kind of right. disappointed. I'm like, eh, you know, I kind of wanted to know on migrate. Once I kind of got <laughs> started and figured out how things yeah. worked with migrate, it was like, Oh, well, yeah, of course, keeping the data straight is the, is the hard part. Like figuring right. out where stuff goes and how it gets there is something that you can't really have a computer computer. Do for you, but you can tell a computer <laughs> yeah. to do it, right? So I know, yeah. It sounds like you're, you're running yeah. into a lot of the, the common migrate issues. So it's, it's,
1: yeah, yeah. It's, I think it, and, and I it, it is, I mean, you bring up a good point of what, what do you have a computer do? What, what are scripts good at doing? And what are people good at doing? You know, so yeah. Yeah, there are certain things where, you know, as we migrated, we had to make some judgment calls. Um, and there are, um, and then things like paragraphs. We wrote a script and we got it done. Um, this was also another, an active yeah.
0: site, right? So there was content coming yes. in along the way. So you can. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. We had several projects that were um, actively creating content. And so in addition to the the tech piece of kind of being under the hood, um, one thing that, that it required was being in very close touch with content creation teams, letting them know what the Drupal timeline was. So, um, one of the things that I took away from just working with other vendors was um, how they kind of demarcated specific phases of the project. So um, I looked at kind of the, the timelines that were clearest to me that that I felt conveyed um, the different milestones clearly, and I uh, created an internal doc that I um, shared and updated and kept the team apprised of. Uh, and every so often, I would say, you know, let them know when we would, um, when the next stage of the uh, migration was and ask them about the status of their content. Um, over time, it felt like content had to be very rigid when I was just using the graphic user interface part of Drupal. Mm-hmm. Um, You're talking migrate, right? You you were using yeah. the
0: GUI for migrate, okay.
1: Yeah, the GUI for the, yeah, the migrate GUI, yeah. and which, so, which if, you, u- if you
0: get started with migrations, it's a good place to get started, but you end up is. using Drush, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of my first, you know uh, trial by fire a little bit, figuring out how to use the um, the GUI and, and making sure everything was wired up. That in itself was a little challenging just to make sure that all the content moved over. But the limitations became clear. I mean, it's it's kind of like having a clunky car that it, it gets you from point A to point B. But point B is is not completely there. There's still other steps after that. So um, it it got me to the point where I'd say I had 80% of the content migrated. But number one, more content more content is left. And number two, you really can only run, run it once. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, if, if you're going to keep that, Database, you have to um, uh, use some. You have to use some custom scripts, uh, or you have to use Drush. And, and if you install Migrate Plus, uh, Migrate Tools, Migrate Upgrade, you have on the command line a few common migration jobs you can select, such as moving over um, users, moving over nodes. And those became uh, saving grace towards the end. Uh, at one point when I was talking with the content team, you know, I would run the GUI migration several times, uh, especially if there was a boatload of content that got done. And then at one point, and I think it was uh, maybe around November last year, uh, I did the final GUI migration. And I was basically, and, and we all kind of decided that after this, there would be some minor content work, but we were in good enough communication so that, um, that it was only a handful of content that got written and it was all stuff that either could be migrated with Drush or we would just use, we would just kind of hand migrate it, uh, and, and, just recreate a few nodes manually. Okay. Um, but that is, I mean, communication is such a huge piece of it because especially with an active project, you know, there, if there's people that rely on the site, um, we really had to be in close touch and keep them apprised. Cool. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your site. Um, the next step yes. is
0: is recreating all of that sweet, sweet custom code that's already been written to yes. do to do your fancy yeah. stuff. So it, was <laughs> this the first Drupal eight or Drupal nine stuff you'd written, or
1: were you were, uh, were you ready I for had, the
0: changes that needed to be made?
1: I felt I felt semi ready. I think it's the type of thing where. I think you said you were doing, really...
0: you were doing Android development, right? So yes, I, yeah. I did some of that a while back and I think yeah. it helped me become a Drupal 8 developer because, you know, it was all object oriented, you know, Java yes. and yes. you kind of yeah. get into figuring out how these patterns work and. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Well, with, with the Android development we do, um, uh, I use the Cordova framework. Okay, okay. And so I do take an object oriented approach though, to a lot of it as far as having, having some JavaScript classes ready to use. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I have, I have user objects and I have teacher objects and things like that. But I think just by the fact that you get used to having to work with a really big code base and you get used to how, you know, one, one update here is going to affect another part of your, uh, ecosystem. I mean, that did help me to get Ready for Drupal in a way. I had also been building a lot of Drupal seven custom modules at the time. Um, they were, you know, a, a good amount of them were front end, but some of them uh, talked to the database as well. Mm-hmm. So by the time <clears throat> by the time I got into uh, thinking about building uh, the the custom modules for Drupal, uh, I at least had some analogies in my head uh, about um, how I wanted it to to happen and. I was still getting used to twig files and and YAML files and things like that. But I, I had done, you know, I'd been doing PHP for a while, so I had some idea of what I wanted to do. Okay. It was still, I mean, it was still a lot of, a lot of trying to figure stuff out and look stuff up. And you know, it wasn't, it was not a smooth ride.
0: It's still that for me. I get it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, it was,
0: I I think I remember how to do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, it, it was. And, and, um, Mainly, I think, and, and not to get too much into the tech nitty gritty, but um, we had uh, a lot of the custom work that we do is is to make it easier for our authors. Um, our Android app uh, is uh, the 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 content it pulls down from Drupal usually shows up as these slides. You could almost think of them as PowerPoint slides, except some of them are interactive. So some of them might be, you know, match the letter to the picture clue, um, and so it's important. When the content author is creating content to see how what they create will look in the app, so we have a custom slide viewer module, and um, we had we how I built it in Drupal was uh, I tried to actually reuse a good chunk of the code that the app used. So the app already uses JavaScript to talk to our Drupal sites API and pull down the content. Well I built a, co- a custom module that talks to the API and doesn't pull down the content but at least you know grabs it and uses it to kind of simulate it um, so so fortunate what I tried to do was use as much code reuse as I could um, because you know people like to kind of think of new things for the app to do all the time so mm-hmm. I wanted to if if people wanted to add stuff, I at least wanted to have some um Uh, some, some common design patterns across both the site and the app so that if I updated it in one place, I could easily update it somewhere else. And you've been with EDC
0: for a long time. So you're ready to be the the person who ends up maintaining it too.
1: Right. Which is a different
0: mentality than someone like me who comes in and works (laughs) with a team for, I don't know, it could be a while. It could be a short period of time. And then Mm. I'm gone.
1: Like, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, it's for myself, yes, I, I think that maintenance is, is. I don't like to just make decisions based on maintenance, but I mean, upon reflecting on how I handled things with um, Drupal, the Drupal 7 site and kind of building out our slide viewer for that, uh, I had a totally separate approach from with the app. And I was thinking kind of going into this, uh, I'd like to make things a little more unified where if, if somebody asks me to, you know, create a new Wordle template for our app, uh, I can just create it once and then just adapt it to the site a little bit and, um, you know, have, have that ready. Um, so, I did that and, and what it mainly amounted to was um, kind of using PHP, uh, mainly to set up the template and pull in some... javascript libraries i wanted to use Mm -hmm. and then the 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 javascript uh code i wrote did a lot of the heavy lifting because that came from the app so um that was that that was part of the custom code and then there was um there was another um authoring tool um for uh, a drag and drop slide uh where it there's there's uh it's like a color forms activity from the 80s where you kind of you an item onto a, a stage and so used a little um, JavaScript magic to have the drag and drop work, get the drop zones wired up and uh, then dump whatever they were doing into a Drupal field. So uh, a lot of it JavaScripty but it, it gets the job done and it you know stayed secure. Um, I did that towards the end of the migration because it was um, it, it was so important to just get all the content migrated uh, and I think we actually did, before I finished the custom modules, we actually ended up doing a soft launch of the site, uh, just so that the content people could keep going, and I could. I was just okay. Look, folks, uh, we're gonna need. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna need another couple of weeks for this uh, custom module, so just hold off on doing image label for now. That was the name of the okay. color forms template, you know. So um, we got it done though, and uh, and so the custom code is is all set. Um, and the one the one thing I'm working on now which is, it's not part of the site proper, but I also um, write PowerShell scripts for our site because uh, it's not always realistic for the app to straight up download the content. So um, I'm right now writing a PowerShell script uh, that uh, pulls down content from the Drupal 9 site. And that allows you to have uh, a nice little three gig content package that you can pull down to your computer, copy onto USB, and then import into a tablet. With
0: yeah. your content and your custom code, there's still a long ways yeah. to go. Um, oh, and I also wanted to point out before I, I get too far, um, there are yeah. there are plenty of people at Lullabot who, who do a really good job with maintenance. We have a whole department of support and maintenance people. And bless them for doing the yeoman's work of maintaining these websites. Anyway. Um, we're talking, <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking with Nevin Katz from the, uh, education development center. He's talking about a, uh, Drupal seven to Drupal nine migration that he was a part of that he wrote about on a uh, medium blog post Our blog is medium a
1: blog. What's the word? Yeah. I've still been trying to figure that out. I, yeah. It's, a, it's it a blogging platform Expose? where it's yeah? kind of a mix of it's a mix of writers and readers so you can you know go in you can go in as a reader and read a bunch of stuff or you can go in and you can write about all kinds of stuff
0: we're talking with nevin Katz, the media marketing department and uh (laughs) we'll we'll continue about uh we'll continue delving into the the project that um that he was writing about coming up right after this Lullabot podcast. We're talking with Nevin Katz about a project that he was on. So, hey, DrupalCon is coming up. Are you going?
1: Oh, where is that? It's
0: in, <laughs> you're not going, are you? It's, ex- <laughs> <laughs> it's in Portland this year.
1: It's in Portland? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's on the wrong
0: side of the country for you, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm over here on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, I'm
0: sadly not going to be there either. So, yeah, there's a, uh, a Lullabot retreat happening right before, and two weeks gone might be a little long for the fam. So,
1: yeah, I normally like to get over to uh, Design for Drupal, uh, cool. which it's, it's takes place over at the MIT Status Center. There have been some great talks over there um, over the past few years. And um, I always learn a lot. Uh, and as a uh, person who's mainly working in the uh, front end space when it comes to Drupal development, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, Isn't good
0: stuff. GovCon is often on the East Coast and probably has some good stuff too. I don't know if you've oh, been that's there. That's good to know about.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's great. What do they talk about there? Is that kind of building? It's
0: government stuff, but it's yeah. it's kind of a mini DrupalCon from what I understand. Enough people oh, get cool. there, and it's uh, a lot. You know, pretty much anything you you, you want to know. H- wh- what percentage of your job would be Drupal? Do you think? How much Drupal do you do?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say I would say right now it's about fifty percent of my work, okay. uh, and I uh, say that because usually the other fifty percent is uh, Android app development. And so I'm mainly kind of uh, writing, writing JavaScript code, writing CSS code. Um, There's a few uh, physics interactives I do also in JavaScript. So I guess that would kind of fall under that 50%. But then the rest of it is um, either managing Drupal work or uh, creating some, you know, custom code for Drupal work or running a security update. So there's always something going on with Drupal.
0: We've been talking about your migration project. One question I'm not sure I asked was how big this team is that 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 did this. Is this you? Are you the lone gun here?
1: <laughs> yeah, for this particular site, I was um I was the uh, the main Drupal developer. i had um I had help though uh, at, during some phases. Um, my uh, colleague uh, Melody Hatchie, was um, instrumental in being able to uh, create some of the content, work through some of the views configurations, which I'll talk a little bit about, Mm -hmm. um, and help to, uh, and she also helped to think through some of the content strategy and think about how the site should be improved for, uh, content authors. Uh, we also had some, uh, an excellent person doing QA, Moya Hines, who, uh, I've been working with her for years. She's really great at catching all my mistakes. And uh, she helped to make sure that the you know the Drupal site looked and worked the way it should, and that the app talked well with it. So uh, it was a real team effort on that front. And I also worked with a few others: um, Simon Richmond, who's he's always been kind of the um, stepping stone visionary uh, since I started work on this back in 2017, and Sonia Tong, who uh, helped a lot with uh, inter-team communication. So. It's a real team effort. I think that you know, for myself, with developing the Drupal site, I had, I had been so close to it that I just felt like I needed to um, uh, just take it on myself. Partially because there were so many things uh, about it that there were so many intricacies of it that it, that had built up over the years. It just felt like all the all the work that it would take to kind of seek out a vendor, uh, do a uh, RFP process, keep the vendor apprised of the changes, explain the site. It just felt like, ah, I might as well just build it because it's, you know, half of this is in my head. Sure. So, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it. So I, even though I was doing, uh, I think mainly the the coding end, you know, the PHP end, the kind of the the database end of it, th- there was there was a, a great team I was working with and it's, it's always so important for me to have that because people catch things that I don't and they're able to um, you know give insight that I'm even in terms of what to call a content type you know there's there's little things like that that you know I can go back and forth on but it really helps to have uh, another pairs of other pairs of eyes on it
0: but the the naming things can be important um, I was on a project a couple three years ago where there was a discussion about what well, we should name something and at this point I don't remember what side I was on but I think I ended up being on the wrong side. Because when the same project or the part of the project got reused a year later for for an event, um, because of what it was named, the person doing the work thought it was doing something that it wasn't doing. And it ended up causing a problem that, I mean, it it got to be fixed, but it was just one of those things like, you know, if it just would have gotten named something slightly different and...
1: Yeah,
0: moving yeah. on to building stuff. That's kind of where we yeah. are. We've talked about moving the data over and some of the custom code. Uh, a lot of the stuff doesn't um, come over. Like you you had written about how you had a bunch of JSON feeds that were being consumed and you had to kind of recreate those and make sure that it was going to work out for you. What, what yes. did you find in Drupal, Drupal 9? How'd that work for you?
1: So so I found in Drupal 9 some, some good news and some not so good news. So the good news is that A lot of the stuff that I had relied on some third-party code for uh, being um, creating machine-readable views in in this uh, syntax we call JSON uh, was handled basically in Drupal core because they had the services module all set up. They have um, some other supporting modules for services. uh, And that um, allows you to create using uh, basically just some point and clicks, some, uh, and without a lot of other module installs, uh, some uh, a, a pretty well-rounded uh, REST API. Um, REST stands for Representational State Transfer. That's a fancy way of saying that when you have one system talking to another system, they don't really change state, uh, and nothing is really saved in between exchanges. And it's this handshake that's pretty vital for our app, it's vital for the PowerShell scripts that kind of pull our content down. And it's also vital for um, the custom modules that simulate uh, how the app looks. And none of that got moved over. Yeah. Um, and so, what, and so the not so good news that I found, even though um, you can create all these great um, REST API um, goodies in, uh, in using Core, is that the syntax is only slight, it's just slightly different the way they have. The um the JSON arrays and the way they look in views, um,
0: custom just, code could have gotten you the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, and but, and that it did, and yeah. and that it did. Um, okay, it, but I decided to do it on the app side and not the Drupal side, um, just because I could. It was the type of thing where I felt like I had more control over the app code base, and it just seemed more natural to um, uh, add. Uh, make make the app aware of which API it was using, so it involved uh, kind of two areas of effort, and it it introduced kind of a, a a new phase after kind of moving over the bulk of the content, which was um, figuring out the API, and this involved recreating these Drupal views, which are they're all kind of JSON views, um, and if you go into Drupal views, that you're using the the REST. Export view and the rest export view is basically a view for machines. Uh, and since machines don't really care about how it looks, they just want they just want the stuff. It's just rendered in JSON, and you can view it in a browser to make sure it looks right. But ultimately, it will be the app or website or whatever machine you're using to pull in that view. So I ended up Melody and I did a good chunk of work recreating these JSON views and. Um, at the same time, that was kind of part of it. and then the other part was um, re uh, creating a, a little more code in the app so that uh, it could number one uh, figure out what type of view it was using, Drupal seven or Drupal nine because at the time our Drupal seven was still active. and number two, uh, just be able to parse all the um, parse all the new uh, uh, JavaScript uh, syntax based on the um, uh, based on kind of the new format for it and it, it was a subtle format it was it I don't want to get too into it but it's it's how the um, how the multiple arrays were structured and mm-hmm. you know and keys pointing to arrays and all that so they um, they had a simpler more streamlined version in Drupal 9 which now that we're done with it it's great I mean I like the simpler version but it was just a shift so um, so we we built out the views. We built out the um, we built out the the custom code. Uh, some uh, of the views were rather complicated because, like like how I point out, we use paragraphs, which are within you know they're they're basically groups of content within larger content. So uh, to help um, uh, to to uh, help kind of get things all into one um, JSON uh, page, and uh, that's also called an endpoint. It's like the destination mm-hmm. URL that you know, the uh, app will request. Um, to get that all into one page, there were two modules that really helped, the REST export nested, which allows you to um, nest, uh, it allows uh, for your JSON object to be a little more complicated. And then there's views field view, which allows a, it allows you to take one view you make and then nest it within a larger view. And uh, those were the two things we needed, but I'm glad that they, they seem to be kept up to date and they worked pretty well for us. So
0: very cool. Um,
1: yeah. That's kind of how we, how we went about building the API. So, you know, again, now that everything works, it's, it, it's fine that the API syntax is different, but yeah. it's, uh, it did take a little bit of a shift. And I, I learned it, I, I figured it out early on during the discovery phase. So I, we budgeted for it, but at the same time we didn't get to it until we got through those other hurdles. Um, it, it becomes a real hierarchy of need thing with the migrations because you just feel like you need to get your content over to survive the next day and then you have the, then you have to build out the core functionality and then you know you get prog- progressively get to you know the less critical things. so it still took a few months to get to the API. Sure. yeah.
0: So it, it it based on your list here, it looks like we're starting to get toward the end at this point. We know we've got custom stuff going, we got the API working again. Um, yeah. M- the next bullet point on the list is that you finished up with that final Drush migration, mm-hmm. and then you're ready to ready for the early launch, right? The soft launch. Yeah. Um, th- th-
1: there was there was one other thing that that came before that, um, which was just kind of working on the theming. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. And- yeah, and I, I I just wanted to touch on that uh, because it, uh, one thing that I think Drupal um, has available that's nice are a lot of um, pre-built uh, base themes. Uh, we ended up going with uh, a Bootstrap base theme and ended up building a child a child theme off of that. Uh, I we use because the site is uh, parts of the site are, are rather complicated, and, and because I'm used to. How SAS works. We ended up using SAS and compiling it to CSS. Yep. Um, used Gulp to compile all, it. All which,
0: very normal these you know, days. Yeah. All yeah. very standard. All yeah. very standard. Um, but but it's know. an extra layer of something you have to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, fire up Gulp Watch, and you have to also make sure uh, other people, if they're going to do theming work, are comfortable with uh, you know using that workflow. Did you check um, in your CSS? This, yes. This
0: is a knives out moment
1: yeah <laughs> yes okay. yes um, so we had to make sure that all that was working, and we also um and uh, it was a, a rather uh, I think informal theming process in the sense that we really wanted to concentrate most of the time and budget on just building the thing and getting it done, and because it's a, a small audience we we tried to Port some of the colors of in, in general theme over to the new site, but we a, a lot of it was just kind of focusing on how to make things clearer and you know rethinking a few things with the with the color palette. Um, but uh, fortunately, we had a small team of uh, a small a small team on this, and so we had a few calls where we got together and I would show them some pages, show them the site map, kind of give them some direction about where I was going, and then uh, they they let us have at it. So. So that got done. I it I don't want to make it seem like it was a huge, uh, like it was just a footnote because the theming was an important part. But Mm -hmm. I'd have to say that compared to some of the, you know, compared to you know the learning curve with the migration and uh, even learning to build out the views and the custom modules, the theme kind of uh, went went without incident. Um, What I would say though for Drupal migrations in general, in terms of theming, is it's really good to get together with whoever is going to use the site and just walk through the site and talk about how the site is used from day to day. Because even if you have a design that's done, it can be uh, engineers, developers have to make these micro decisions about how to make certain things show up and certain, and sometimes there can be a gap between intent and what actually gets done. So I think the more, you know, the more I was able to get a sense of how the content authors want to use the site, and and that goes for other projects that I'm kind of more in a management role of. The more we can get a sense of how the users use them day to day, the smoother it goes, and the less you know, the less migration aftershocks you end up having. So, um, so yeah,
0: very good, very good. So then then did your scripts just run and everything was was peachy keen? <laughs> Ready, you know, we to, got ready to put t- it in front of users?
1: We we got tons and tons of errors. It's yeah. it's the type of thing you know. I was used to kind of creating um, custom paragraph scripts, and so those took a lot of um, those took a lot of tuning. And it was the type of thing where things started to incrementally work. Like maybe you got you know maybe you got uh, you know this set of paragraphs migrated, but oh, there's this set with a special condition that needs to be tried again, and mm-hmm. we need to modify the script for this or You know, we, we were able to get the, we, we migrated the nodes before the paragraphs. We should have done it the other way around, you know? So there's all always that trial and error, but I mean, I I'm under no illusions that anything will ever work the first time ever. So (laughs) we've
0: all kind of done that. It's the yay. Yay. It's a different error message reaction, right? right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Pretty much. It's just a question of like how many error messages I'm going to get. So I'm like, (laughs) Oh, okay. I think I've about 20 errors to go. Then this will probably work. (laughs) um i will say though that um the 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 custom drush migrations uh pretty much did work without incident i mean it, it it was the type of thing i'm sorry not the custom drush migrations but the boilerplate drush migrations where you would um the boilerplate drush migrations would work without incident for the most part um if something didn't work it just wouldn't work and we would either we would find another solution but typically when we wanted to migrate over new nodes and this was kind of in the twilight of the migration when people created a little bit of content on the drupal 7 site we just wanted to move maybe a few video slide nodes over Um, we would just um we would just kind of run that migration and 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 the nodes would move over we'd manually add the videos and that would be that and there's not too much more um there's not too much more to do uh, there, there were some. We hit it. We ran into a few walls. I know that migrating files, I think, was tricky from a Drush standpoint. Um, so, so that was uh, a, a tough one. And then another thing that required a bit of a custom solution was uh, writing what was converting files to Media, which I think most people doing Drupal migrations are are pretty familiar with that. So, um, but it is something to be ready for if you haven't done it. Uh, media has this nice fun browser that allows you to reuse assets. Um, but to do it, you got to migrate your files. So that was a step as well.
0: And then you turned the, the users and in this case, the computers lo- loose on the new site and continue <laughs> to iterate from there, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, by the time we did our official launch, we had already had people using the site for uh, to some extent to just create content on a low key basis. What really became the test was when people started using the apps to pull down content from the site and so that's when i was on pins and needles a bit kind of you know wondering how you know this or that demo was going to go or wondering how wondering you know whether uh all the all the content would be pulled down correctly Um, that's just as much about the api as it is about the site itself it's also about the app to an extent um so we were we were turning tablets loose on the site, tablets downloading content. And then we had um, a real uptick in uh, content entry there. And so uh, one so one thing that we just, um, that's just kind of become a, a tradition after the migration is, is just taking feedback about it. And this is about two or one or two weeks. One of the things that's become common is just getting some post-migration feedback from people about what needs to be changed. And that happens. That's happened with my site. It's happened with two sites that I was um, overseeing, and it's happened with other sites. There's just it's the journey does not stop when you finish migrating. Um, There's usually other things that have to be done, and in our case, I think it was just adjusting permissions on fields, um, making sure that everybody could get to the pages they needed to get to, uh, and um, making. The authoring interface is as intuitive as possible, so, so it's just kind of a combination of theming and going into the admin panels and checking some boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got there, so good. Yeah. What was your timeline? I guess I'm not sure. I've, I've, I've oh, really that's a answered. good question. So we started. Cool. um, It's difficult to to say the timeline. uh, uh, kind of there wasn't like a, a, a complete continuous timeline because it's with, also with not something you were focusing on
0: every day of the week, right? Exactly. It wasn't
1: yeah. I wasn't able to. So there were I'd say we started in earnest in February of 2021. And then we ended up finishing in December of we ended up launching the thing in December of 2021. But there was, I think, a two or three month uh break where I I didn't really do too much on it, just because there was there was other EDC projects that I had to do, mm-hmm. and um, and people weren't ready. It didn't make sense because there was just this big boatload of content. So I, you know, that was another thing. I wanted to make sure that the content stabilized to the point where it just made sense to kind of pick back up again. Um, but that was another kind of advantage of taking it internal because I was able to kind of, um, you know, re- read the tea leaves a little bit about when when people were gonna kind of wind down with the content entry and you know plan the migration push you know at various times. So yeah, but that was the timeline. So I guess it was a it was a little under it was a little under a year, but I think if if it weren't for those breaks maybe it would be more, I don't know um, nine months or so, uh, maybe seven seven to nine months. So it's hard though uh, because uh, it, it's like I said, it's not a totally clear timeline because there was so much going on.
0: Sure. Um, and another question I had was, uh, what you were doing, uh, locally to, uh, I guess, virtualize the, the current production environment and continue to work with that database. Were you doing something like Docker or.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So we, um, well, so we, I elected to use Lando, uh, which is a, it's a command line dev tool that, uh, I think is pretty common around uh, Drupal developers uh, both within EDC and with uh, Mm -hmm. other companies that we end up partnering with on migrations. So uh, I've gotten used to it with another website. So I I fired up Lando and that Lando uses its Docker um, to set up its uh, protected container. So my first migration using the GUI was uh, using a Lando site. And uh, part of it was I had a colleague who was using Lando um, and I wanted to... I wanted to kind of use her recipe, <laughs> so I was like, "All right, if if I'm using Lando, I know I have a shot at this working." So I did that, and as as far as um, the local setup, I, I set up two sites, of course, one being the Drupal seven site, and one being uh, the Drupal uh, kind of a, a new Drupal nine site. Now, the Drupal seven site uh, was it, it doesn't did not function like uh you know your our normal Stepping Stone Drupal site. I really had to prepare it for the migration. And so, for that, uh, a big part of it was just turning off all the non essential modules. And you get a sense of what the non essential modules are using that GUI script. Uh, Even the GUI script does not do everything right. But one thing that it does help you with is it can give you a sense of what can be, you know, what modules are causing problems and what could be tough to migrate over. So, a lot of it was just kind of really stripping down the external functionality and it's almost like having a a local site running in safe mode because nothing mm-hmm. is really nothing is really on except um the stuff that's needed to store the data so and when I you break it you of, can
0: build it again like it's no big deal yeah, yeah.
1: right so i ended up then ha- setting up my drupal 9 site and the drupal 9 was um, a starter site i learned quickly that um, you have to be really careful about what modules you turn on. And it's best to kind of make sure that those are fairly uh, secure modules, not in their alpha or beta states, uh, because some of those are um, going to break the workflow as far as they're going to break the migration process. So it's best to be very conservative about what you turn on initially. Um, so I only had on the modules that I felt were needed for the migration. Okay. Um, and once I had those on, then I would run some test migrations and just back up every time there was a six. There was even even a hint of a successful migration. I would back that thing up, and those those really ended up being kind of almost the save points in a video game. Just mm-hmm. just you know, you know, getting to that flag, saving that database, and if anything goes awry, you can kind of pull that Drupal nine database back in, restart from where you left off. Um, so ran through that a few times so that so that I, I I um felt like I knew what I was doing I had a good sense of what would come over and it, it really I think over time you know became a dress rehearsal for the final migration because eventually you get to the final one right so um all the content is in there you have your local site that has all, all the content you really want to move over and so what I did locally was basically um, run the GUI re- run the GUI migration one last time, and then run through all my paragraph scripts. Run through any sort of kind of boiler pri- boilerplate scripts I wanted to run through, and uh, then then push up the site. And then um, and then then the rest was kind of fine tuning after that. Uh, um, one thing that kind of helps in this is uh, the ability to export configurations. Sure. So. Um, If you do find yourself moving quite far along with a Drupal 9 site and say you've built out some views and some content types and you're worried about for whatever reason, whether you're using the GUI or some other reason, having to, you know, roll back to an earlier database, you can export your database as a uh, as a configuration. And then if you have to import an earlier database, then you can re-import all those lovely changes you made. Um, And uh, with any luck, it won't throw it won't throw errors. Um, but that that helped in a few cases where I had gotten far along with views and wanted to, um, you know, pull my work back in.
0: Well, I, I, I appreciate your story today. Thank you for coming on. Um, I I enjoyed that. You know, you are an experienced Drupal person. You've you've been around for several years now and done plenty of Drupal work. But this was kind of the first project of of this type that you had done and. I I enjoyed your article and, you know, kind of the blow-by-blow of everything you've learned and had to figure out along the way. Um, And it's something that a lot of people out there, and and that's why i am decided to talk to you, because it's something that a lot of people out there are going to have to figure out um, what their their next step is with their Drupal 7 sites. And they might have had a stay of execution, but uh, it's, (laughs) it's still...
1: And they may have had some amnesty. Amnesty,
0: yeah, I mean, there you go. At least it's been put <laughs> off. It's like, yeah, you know, that 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 date is going to be pushed off for a while, but right. it's it's still something that they're going to have to face in the future and you know, you you had a team you were working with, but uh yeah. it was something that that you you figured out along the way. And I it was a really I don't know, it's a cool
1: story. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate your kind words. Uh thanks so much for having me on and uh um happy to uh, come back if needed and um, best wishes with your future Drupal migrations. Are you ready to do it again? Would I do a migration again? Yeah. Seven to nine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if the opportunity came along, I think there've been a lot of lessons learned and um, it's always tricky kind of figuring out what to um, maintain and int- what to do internally versus, you know, what to partner with an external firm on. But mm-hmm. yeah, if, if it, if it came along again, it's, it's definitely an interesting challenge and you learn new stuff every time. So um, yeah I think i'd I'd be willing to climb that mountain. I think I'd have to probably uh you know maybe take a few more months off before doing it but you know <laughs> it does take something out of you because you know it's it becomes once you start it becomes a real grueling timeline so I think I'd have to have to do a few meditation exercises before getting started again but um it's it's also you end up learning so much and it's a different um, it's a different space to be getting into uh, i've I've been doing Drupal for um, the better part of a decade and getting into the migration was was a real new thing and you end up learning a lot. And um, you know, uh, some of it's fun, some of it's scar tissue, but you end up uh, becoming a better developer for it. Sure.
0: Is there anything else you wanna add before we wrap this up?
1: Uh, nope, just uh, thanks for having me on. Um, for those of you who are interested, I, I do have a few other articles out there on uh, paragraph migrations, if it does help anyone out there who's uh, sees the storm coming. And there's uh, some other pieces I have out there on uh, how to get up and running with Lando, uh, as, as well as a few just other random tips on Drupal migrations. So if, if, if those help anyone out there, feel free to give those a read. Very good. I, right. I, I do
0: have a, a, one more question for you. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, in, in looking at your bio today, it says yeah. you're an author and illustrator. Tell me about Dr. Birdley teaches science. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I, before I was a web developer, I taught high school for eight years um, in uh, both uh, Western Mass and uh, in the Boston area. And um, while I was doing it, uh, I wanted to find a way to make science more accessible to uh, to kids. And I was I also had just finished reading Scott McCloud's understanding comics, which was kind of an inspirational <laughs> book. So cool. uh, I, I Made this cartoon character, Dr. Birdley, um, who was um, uh, he, he was kind of a, uh, a, a a thinly veiled kind of me character, and um, and used that to just kind of write about science concepts. I started out as kind of a you know as ballpoint pen um, things, kind of that I would do at you know at home after school or during my prep, and then over time I kind of made it a little more. Um, made it a little more refined and ended up expanding it into a set of curriculum materials and a book series. So, uh it was a fun journey and uh it was actually I think building the Dr. Birdley website um uh, Birdley uh, it's birdleymedia.com. It's gone through a lot of um evolution, but that was the thing that kind of got me into uh, web development in part and um it was one of the things that kind of drew me to it because I enjoyed doing it. So, um but uh, I, I look back on those days fondly. I don't have as much time to do illustration with all the um, Drupal migrations going on, but uh, it was it was a fun part of my life. Very good. Thanks, Nevin. All right. Thanks so much.